Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, you guys doing good? Everybody there? You waking up? No, you're not. I got one woo. I'm going to take the one woo and run with it this morning. Can I tell you guys, um, we got so much cool stuff before the cool stuff. It's ridiculous. So I got to say this first and foremost. I, I just love celebrating this coming weekend and what it means when we look at the life, the ministry, and the movement started by Martin Luther King Jr., Um, He's a personal hero of mine to finish college and get my preaching degree. I actually had to write a paper on him, and I was just blown away because I knew he was special. But when I really got into his life, I just couldn't believe the power and the impact that he had and how it came from his faith. I got to tour the King Center this past year. That's his home. Uh, This is a picture of the home he grew up in. Uh, He's actually buried right down the way here, and his, his church where he pastored, his father pastored, is there. There's still a congregation there to this day. It was so impactful, and it was so cool to even dive into the story and be immersed at a deeper level. Through one of the museums, I stumbled on this quote from King where he really talks about the way his faith empowered his life, his ministry, and his movement. I'll read it to you just uh, as we begin. He said, my wife had already fallen asleep and I was about to doze off when the telephone rang. An angry voice said, listen, N-word. We've all taken what we want from you and it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Um, Within a week, you'll be sorry you ever came to Montgomery. I hung up, but I could not sleep and it seemed that all of my fears had come down on me all at once. I had reached the saturation point, he said. I got out of bed and began to walk the floor. Finally, I went to the kitchen, heated a pot of coffee. I was ready to give up. I tried to think of a way to move out of the picture without appearing to be a coward. In the state of exhaustion that I was in, my courage was completely gone. I determined to take my problem to God. My head in my hands, I doubled over on the kitchen table and prayed aloud. I'm here taking a stand for what I believe to be right, right now I'm afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership and if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I'm at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I can't face it alone. At that moment, I experienced the present of the divine as I never had before. I experienced him. It seems as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth, and I'll be by your side forever. Almost at once, my fears began to pass, and all the uncertainty disappeared. I felt ready to face anything. The outer situation remained the same, but God had given me an inner calm. Three nights later, our house was bombed. I just got to say as I begin, that's a personal hero of mine. He's a credit to our country, and I cannot wait for the day that his dream is fulfilled in our nation. 
And as we begin, I just can't move forward without saying that's a life that matters, and that is the picture and power of faith and action. What we believe matters. What we believe amounts to real hope in this country. And what we talk about right here when we look on the life of Christ is what our nation needs most. Okay, sermon before the sermon is almost over. I got to tell you two more things, okay? There's new to momentum today. That's a welcome dinner at my house. For those of you who are coming, I'm so pumped to spend time with you. If you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot all about that, you're still invited. You can still come over for dinner tonight at six. If you just go out to the info center, it's right there to your right, and you talk to the people there and go, hey, I'm coming, by the way. They will hook you up. They'll tell you where to be and when. They'll get you everything you need to know, and you'll be set up. But right now, this series that we're in is simply called Find Your People. And we've stopped for two weeks, and we're talking Find Your People. I think we have a Find Your People graphic that we put up there because it looks real calm and soothing. It's got this little ocean feel to it. I like that. We did Find Your People because faith isn't meant to be done alone. We're doing Find Your People because we believe all of the sweet stuff in life and faith happens in great relationships with other people. In the New Testament, the words one another are used 52 times, and you need some one another's in your life to one another. And so we do these community groups here, not because churches are supposed to have groups and we're checking that off of our checklist. We're doing groups and we're having group signups right now. This is actually the last week to sign up for a group if you're interested. We're doing that because we believe amazing things happen in our faith in the context of community. We're doing groups because we want to help you find your people. We're going to unpack more vision and more heart behind that and talk about some of the people you need in your life. But I'm going to pray. Then we're going into God's word and we got more stuff to dive into. So I'm going to need y'all to wake up by the time I say amen. Let's pray. God and Father, fill this place. I don't want my words. I don't want me being clever. I want your spirit filling us up as we open your word. God, I pray you would show up in this place and do in us and through us what only you could do. Lord, we believe your word has life in it. So would you take it and make us more alive in Jesus name? Amen. All right. Half of y'all are there now. This is going to be fun. We're in the Proverbs today, and I'll just kick off with the verse that we're going to be kind of looking at and unpacking through the morning. Proverbs 13, 20 simply says this, walk with the wise, become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise, become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. This is the essential find your people verse. Because what it's explaining to you and to me is that who I am is largely going to be shaped by the people in my life. We used to do this thing in youth ministry where you would have kids write a spiritual timeline. Maybe if you grew up in a youth ministry or in a youth group, you did one. And you would just write the ups and downs in life and major turning points and faith points and and regrets and things you look forward to and huge victories. And what's interesting is if you were to do that today, if you were to just write down the big moments in your life and the turning points in your life and the ups, the regrets, the wins, the losses, all of it, you would, yes, be outlining your life, but you would be doing something else as well. You would be outlining all of the different times when people came in and out of your life. If you think about it, your people, the people around you, 
have influenced just about everything about you. Big things like direction and planning and future and who you've become and where you're going. Small things like the music you listen to and even the clothing you wear. Now, I can see you're skeptical. So I did some digging to prove this. And, and A, you're going to learn two things. You're going to learn a little bit more about some of the ministry people you see up here from time to time. And then B, you're going to see that who you're around shapes so much about you. Some of y'all saw Will up here leading worship. Didn't Will do a good job, by the way? Can we do that? Yeah, just love on that guy. Um, this was once Will. Now, this was Will because there were once some people around Will being like, no, dog, you need the 4X. No, I'm saying 2X, don't do the 2X, get the 4. Baggy your pants, bro. This is what you're missing. Um, I think we got another one. If, if we talk about who, who's coming up next, just go for it, Duffy. Oh, Phil, y'all know Phil, right? <laughs> now, that's not a bad picture, but, but Phil must have had some buddies who like Keenan and Kel from Nickelodeon because he's got the hair going on, if you guys remember that. Um, you know, you know, so many people here, if you connected to Newton Momentum, if you're coming over at Newton Momentum, if you've been a part of anything ever that's been organized in the least bit, it probably went through Cassie Olgeen. Um, this is Cassie and her dear family. Uh, but once upon a time, this was Cassie and <laughs> for the family. <laughs> there was a groan there. Somebody who also had the sequin dress for prom did the groan just there. That's what that was. Um, some of you guys know a church elder of ours, <laughs> Keith Goosby, uh, retired force master chief, uh, Keith Goosby, uh, was once this gentleman right here. <laughs> I know, right? He's going to kill me, <laughs> but he's not here this week. <laughs> and, so, and so there were some people in Keith's life, there were some people in our lives that said they shape so much around us and we become like who we're around and who you're around, you become like, and, and there were people around Keith that looked like this. Um, I'm so glad there were no pictures of me like that from my past, that would be embarrassing. But, but I'll get, <laughs> um, this isn't just an old photo. My skin's orange because in my college dorm, my buddies convinced me that I should go tanning. <laughs> There's moose in my hair. Because right, this is like one of the first times I ever hung, that's Brit, that's my wife to this day. This is one of the first times I ever hung out with her. There's moose in my hair because some guy, he's like, oh, you're meeting your girl. I'm like, yeah. He goes, dude, you're going to need this stuff. Gave me a bottle of moose. I said, okay. And this was the, out, I don't know why she ever hung out with me again, actually. This was the outcome. But it was the people in my life. And, and I have this mentor. You could go, hey, Duffy, just go back to the find your people graphic because that's hideous. Um, but there were people around me, and those people around me shaped what I actually became like and what I was into and what I looked like. I have this mentor, and, and he often says people are like Legos, and he talks about relational connections. And he said, you know, some people whoop, are introverts, and they, you know, they have just a few slots uh, that they can actually connect to, and just about four people in their life, and they're done for, and they're completely filled up. There's people in the middle of the road, and then you got those extroverts that are like, yeah, people! And, and, and every single one of us functions like this. Every single one of us has a certain amount of connectors. Everybody in here, it doesn't matter who you are, has a certain amount of connectors and no more. 
And you have a limit, and I have a limit. Some people have a low limit. Some people have a high limit. That's not the important thing. The important thing to understand is you have a limit. There are only so many people you can connect to and only so many people who can connect into you. And here's what I hope you see this morning. You have a limited resource here, and who you allow to connect to you and who you connect into really, really matters. This is going to shape your future. This is going to shape what kind of person you become. And most importantly, this is going to shape your faith and the faith story you write with your life. And here's the deal. There's only so many of them. And that means this really, really matters. This calls us to be intentional Jesus followers who really pay attention to who we're connecting to and who's connecting to us because this shapes so much about us. And so we're going to do something that you may not have heard in church before. We're going to talk about some people that you need to avoid and people that you need to be on the lookout for because this matters. So what we're going to be doing is traveling through the book of Proverbs. If you've read Proverbs before, it's from a man named Solomon. Uh, Solomon was a king that God raised up to lead the nation of Israel. God would eventually use this nation, and through that nation, Jesus Christ would be born. And so leading this nation was a really, really big deal. And so God raised up kings. One of them, his name was Solomon. He's said to be, outside of Jesus, the wisest man to have ever lived. And it's interesting because he wrote this book called Proverbs, and he put together a collection of writings about his wisdom and wise things and what wise people do. It's interesting that he's one of the wisest men to have ever lived, and he says so much about the type of relationships and people you allow in your life. So what we're going to do today is interesting. It's going to be the three people you need to watch out for and the three people you need to make sure you are connecting Two, we'll dive into Proverbs, and it says this in Proverbs 12, 15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Now, one thing you'll notice really quick here is Solomon begins to draw these contrasts, and he uses fool for person to be avoided, and he uses wise to talk about prudent, wise, God-fearing, God-loving, God-following people. And it's 2020. I'm going to assume you understand by now. You don't have time for fools in your life in 2020, so I'm just going to point out some of the characteristics described of fools here, and we're going to use those to caution us and the people that we need to be looking out for. If you're new or visiting, inside your bulletin, there's this white note sheet. Uh, we love drawing pictures and following along. Some people follow along. Some people draw pictures. Doesn't matter if you're a sinner or a saint. That's okay. You're still welcomed here. But number one in your notes simply says this. Um, watch out for people who think they've got it all figured out. Watch out for people who are all answers and no questions. Watch out for people who have everything to say and nothing to learn. Watch out for people who think they have it all figured out. Watch out for people who sit down in a room and believe their opinions, ideas, and way of living is superior to others. Here's why you watch out. We're going to cut to the chase this morning. You watch out because the Bible describes people who know it all and see themselves as superior to others as prideful. And Solomon would go on to write in this book that pride comes right before destruction. Some of you have heard it phrased this way, pride comes before the fall. 
And here's the thing. We just said your relationships are like these Legos. And who you connect to will shape everything about you. So let me just do the math for you really quick. If we said the people around you, the people you're connected to are going to shape you and you're going to go where they go, and you've connected to some know-it-alls or some people who think they've got it all figured out, they are heading towards destruction. And here's the news this morning. You are too. Beware of people who think they've got it all figured out. You ever been around somebody and they can tell you in your workplace everything that's wrong in the workplace and here's a problem ever since so-and-so has been in charge. This has been the issue that we've been having and they don't get it. And man, if I was in here, I could fix this in 10 minutes and I'd be fine. Or the person who can tell you everything that's wrong with, with our city or the person that can tell you everything that's wrong with our federal government. And here's a problem with this party because they just keep doing this. And oh my gosh, if people would just wake up and see things like I see things, I, I don't know all of a sudden it makes sense. You ever had that person who can tell you everything about how you should live your life and what you should think and what you should do and how you should vote and what you should care about and what would be a better way to go and what you should have done 10 years ago when you had to do that one tough thing and here's what they should have done and they kind of point out where you are right now has everything to do with that. But then all of a sudden you get close to that person and you see their life. or you see their family or their marriage or their credit card debt and they had everything to say but when it came to the parts that, of life that really mattered it wasn't a life that you would admire or want to switch with for a minute beware of people who have it all figured out He kind of describes this with some other language in another proverb. Proverbs 18.2 says this. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Did you catch that, right? A fool finds no pleasure in learning, but delights in airing their own opinions. That's interesting. Because what it's saying is there's certain people and they just love to hear themselves talk. There's people who have an answer and an explanation for everything. Yet when you get into their life, they live like fools. Proverbs 14, 12 says it like this. There is a way that appears to be right but in the end, it leads to death. And it means to foolish people, everything they say, do, and think seems right to them. Did you ever have a friend get sucked into a pyramid scheme? Did you ever notice how every single friend of yours that got sucked into a pyramid scheme could explain person perfectly why it's not a pyramid scheme. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. 
I am not in a period. I've got an opportunity to create financial independence and bless those around me to whom I've been entrusted. You're like, oh, yeah, how do you plan on doing that? Well, it's, it's easy. It's easy. I got this representative, and, and they, I, I'm to them. And then if I just get 10 representatives to help me, then I will be sharing an opportunity with them. I'm sorry if you're in a pyramid scheme. Um, just, I, maybe today you came to church for God to tell you that you're in a pyramid scheme. I'm sorry. But, but, but I don't care how many times you use that word opportunity, bro. I'm not buying your aloe vera. And, and, and there's a way that seems right to people, but, but, but in the end it leads to destruction. You ever meet somebody and they've got all the big church words and Christian phrases and reasons and theology. And if I take this part of this verse from over here and I put it with this half of this verse over here, then it explains perfectly why I'm living the way I'm living. But their explanation is just an explanation for them to be a really selfish person. Like God's up there like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Interesting. There's a way that seems right, but in the end, it leads to destruction. Watch out for people who think they've got it all figured out. Number two is simply this. Beware of people who refuse to take responsibility for their lives. Beware of people who refuse to take responsibility. Duffy, go back one slide. Proverbs 12, 15 says, a person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. Did you catch that? Beware of people who refuse to take responsibility for their life. There's this interpretation of the Bible called the message, and this guy named Eugene Peterson wrote it. And, and essentially, he went through verses, and he made these paraphrases of them. And, and he wrote this paraphrase of this verse. It's like two slides forward now, Duffy. You'll have to jump past point two. It's the next one. But he simply wrote a paraphrase of this verse like this. He says, <clears throat> people ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? And he goes, watch out for people who are always blaming God for their problems. Watch out for people who are saying, God, if you wouldn't have been watching a little closer, then this wouldn't have happened to me. And because this happened to me, these three things are now happening to me. I don't want any of it to happen to me. God, if you would have just been like this, God, why did you allow us to get pregnant right now? We've got this baby to be responsible for. And God's like, I didn't get you pregnant. You got you pregnant. God, how come, you know, all my savings is gone and, and now I'm starting from scratch. And God's like, I didn't make you invest in a grow-your-own-lobster business. Nobody told you boiling bite was going to be a good idea, but you took all your boiling bite. I don't know. You took all your savings and you put it in this thing that you knew was foolish. Your buddy from high school didn't even finish high school, and all of a sudden he's going to be the lobster king, and God gets the blame. And if it's not God, it's the universe. Not the universe, it's circumstances. If it's not circumstances, it's history. And all of it takes you to the same place, to the place where you are stuck. I've been working, you guys, Britt and I have been working with this girl to try and help her get on her feet for like literally five years now. And she was handed the worst hand. Dad split, mom got ill, homeless for a season, into some housing, got a job, 
I mean, she is clawed and scrapped for every single inch. And she's this close to transforming her whole life, her future, her kid's future, everything. But she's stuck. You know why she's stuck? Because her mother has blamed everyone and everything for all that they are going through. And it was all about your dad, and then if I didn't get sick, and now the government just doesn't offer people in our position the support we need. And this girl, she has done so well, but all that blame has, has laid hold of her. And she is bright, talented, and intelligent. She's capable. She could go taking off like a rocket. But now her problem is she blames her mother. And the only thing keeping her stuck right now is that she can't grab a hole and take responsibility for what's going on in her future. Here's blame really quick for you. Blame smuggles issues from your past into your future. Blame is the way to make sure history repeats itself. Blame is a way to see to it that you stay stuck. And here's the danger. Blame is contagious. And scripture says, be careful. Be careful not to connect to people who refuse to take responsibility because eventually the same will happen to you as well. I'll jump to Psalm 1 for our last point on this. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a seat in the company of mockers. Now, I think we get, you got to avoid the wicked because who doesn't, who wants wicked people? You get, okay, sinners, I'm tracking. But do you see this? It says, do not sit in the company of mockers. Number three in your notes, you know what that's saying? Watch out for people with loud opinions and little love. Watch out for people with loud opinions and little love. I'm a Midwest boy. Back home, we'd say, watch out for people with big hats and no cattle. Watch out for people with everything to say who aren't really changing anything. Watch out for people with big opinions and little love. Hmm, let me think for a minute. In an election year, where do we find people with loud opinions and little love? Where do we as Jesus followers have to be careful that we don't get sucked in? Wait, is it bad? Oh my gosh, did I say too much? Do you want to go there right now? Y'all want to do this? It's election year. You better believe we're talking about it. Be careful that you don't get sucked into this. Repeating talking points from your favorite pundit, Facebook posting your thing from your network with your preferences on it, because it's not going to do anything to make the world better. Love makes the world better. This is dangerous. You know why? Because it feels good. It feels good to be in the know. It feels good to be woke. It feels good to have a social opinion and to point it in justice. But it actually does very little to transform the world. Love transforms the world. 
People who love are out there taking care of their neighbors. People who love are, are helping the kids at Vista Square. People who love are looking at the world around them and doing what they can to make the world a better place. By the way, this is why it's an election year. If you're looking at momentum and trying to figure out what kind of place this is and what we care about and everything, um, this is an election year. And I can promise you at no point this year at this church are you going to hear somebody say who you should vote for. We're going to talk about how Jesus followers should conduct themselves in, in the midst of civil dis division. We're going to talk about how we should carry ourselves and set an example in the world around us and to our nation. But you're not going to hear us say, oh, it's this candidate. Because whatever candidate is selected later this year is not the hope of the world. How many people know who the 21st president was or the 19th president? or the 13th president. No, but you know Jesus. Why? Because he loved. He transformed the world with love. He set a movement based on love. He transformed the world and toppled Rome through the power of love. Did you know Martin Luther King Jr. once said, I consider love to be the most transformative power in the universe. Love transforms the world. That's what we're gonna be about. People can squawk about their opinions. We're gonna be contending for the children and families of Vista Square. People can yell about how bad things have gotten. We will be making things better with our love. We'll be discipling the next generation, teaching them to go and change the world. We'll be discipling our youth and our students, teaching them that they have a hope that will anchor their soul. No matter what happens in this nation, we will be about the love of God because we believe that's the most effective and efficient way to transform the world for the better. That's our stance. That's where we are. We love. If you go to the next verse for me, Duffy, I go back to Paul in the New Testament. And he said it like this, I could speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but if I do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. Translation, talk is cheap. Go back to that psalm. If you just go to the next one for me, Duffy, that psalm simply says this, or sit in the company of mockers. Did you catch the word sit right there? See, those who mock and squawk stay stuck. They're not doing anything. Love is on the move. Love is busy. Love is working. Love is raising children to know God. Love is up to something. Love is contending for people who are disadvantaged. Love takes action. People who squawk just end up sitting. And eventually, the world passes them by. The Lord loves you too much to let you settle for that. We're gonna be about love. Who are the people you need in your life? Number one is simply this. You need people who aren't afraid to tell you what you need to hear. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than the kisses from an enemy. Now, this isn't license to go and be the truth police. 
This is not the Lord anointing you truth officer of the momentum community and you're going to go bop, 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 bop and just do some drive-by true things. No truth. Boom, I just tell it like it is. Oh, don't get me started on that phrase. Oh, you mean you don't care enough to state your opinions with social tact? And this isn't what it's saying. You see the words sincere friend? If you go to the next one, Proverbs 27, 9 says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about living our lives in relationship with other people so much so that they can speak truth to us and we can speak truth to them. That we could tell each other what we need to hear. I found the only way you really get to this is by becoming the kind of person people can speak truth to. Have you ever noticed in your workplace or in your life, the people who need the truth the most are usually the least receptive to it? It used to drive me crazy. The people who need to grow the most are usually looking to learn the fewest lessons. It used to drive me crazy, but now it breaks my heart because I've seen it long enough to know those people just stay stuck. They never become, they never step, they never walk into what Jesus made them for. How do you make sure that's never you? There's a phrase in your notes. I don't even have it on a slide. My mentor, Matt Reagan, taught me this phrase. And he says to people, I need you to love me enough to tell me blank. That's a powerful phrase. That's a courageous phrase. I need you to love me enough to tell me what I'm missing. I need you to love me enough to tell me what everybody knows about me, but I don't know about me, and I'm tripping over my own feet because of it, and no one has the courage to tell me. Can you love me enough to speak that to me? I'm in the Navy, bro. I can't tell them to love me. Just switch it out for respect. I need you to respect me enough to tell me what I need to know to be a great leader to these people. I need you to care about my career enough to tell me what it's like to work on a project with me. That will transform you. That will change you. It'll make you the kind of person that people can speak truth to. I didn't come to this church to be the lead pastor. I didn't. I started in Kid City. I loved it. I loved seeing the lives of kids transform. And I started a youth ministry that some of these snots came out of. And Lord help them, okay? Um, Y'all came out wrong. I'm just kidding. God had it up his sleeve. I ended up becoming the lead pastor of this church. I did not plan on that. You want to know the whole story? Come to my house. We'll have dinner. I'll tell you the whole thing tonight, 6 p.m. New to momentum. And overnight, I was the lead pastor of this church. And I was terrified that all of a sudden, my jokes would get funnier. My thoughts would become more important. And all my ideas would be the right ideas to the people I led. The first decision I made when I became the lead pastor was I grabbed Tony, who's our church planter. They plant next week. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And I grabbed Jeremy Jones, who's another pastor here. And I said, two times a year, we are going to sit down and you guys need to love me enough to tell me what I'm missing. Call it out. Where am I tripping over my own feet? Where am I missing it? 
And don't you dare hide that from me. One of the greatest decisions of my life. We still do it. It transforms me. You need people who can speak truth to you. Two, you need people who put courage into you. You need people who put courage into you. Can we first agree life takes courage? Can we settle on that together? Life, it's not, life doesn't take courage. Truly living requires courage. I mean, you can do life without courage. You can be the same person, aspire to nothing, Netflix and numb it out for four hours a night. That doesn't take courage. But to go, to try, to lead, to move forward, to love, to raise kids, to follow Jesus, to have a faith in God, you need courage. Courage is just the ticket to get started. And then you need more courage to keep going. And you need people who put courage into you. We talk about encouragement all the time here. It's made up of two words, encourage. En means to put into, encourage is bravery. To encourage is to put bravery into someone else. That is why scripture is filled with words about encouragement. Here's the list of them for you. There's all these words about courage. You know, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind. Therefore, encourage one another. Hebrews is the best. Encourage one another daily. As long as it's called, hey, is it today? Then encourage someone. And we talk about all of that and the encouragement that needs to be coming out of you. But can I just tell you something? If you're aiming at Jesus in 2020, you need people putting courage into you. You will not become everything that God made you to be without great people who regularly and daily are putting courage into you. It's impossible. Playlist people, you get this. You got a Spotify playlist for everything. Oh, we're grocery shopping. Grocery list. Workout. Yep. I the tiger is the thrill of the fire rising up to. No. You got a playlist for date night. You're going to hit them with a little contemporary mix, but you're going to slide some Hillsong in there to make sure your faith is well represented. But no Bethel on the first date because that's a little too Holy Spirit and I don't want to weird them out. Some of you are like, what's Spotify? Think mix CD. Think mix. If you're an OG, think 8-track. I pity you kids who never get to make a mix CD for a boyfriend or girlfriend on Valentine's Day. Tape. Praise God. But you, you select songs that put into you everything you need. You've selected music that, that helps you work out. You've selected music that helps you drive. You've selected music that helps you have a nice dinner. But have you done that with the people in your life? Have you done that with this? Have you selected people that are putting the courage into you to become everything that God has made you to be? Can I tell you something? You won't become everything God's made you to be without doing so. It drives me, oh my gosh, it pains me now. I see people, especially in a new year, they want to change everything. I'm going, y'all. Just try and keep up. Watch out. They try and change everything about their life alone. You try and be a new you with the old people, you're going to walk with the fools and suffer harm. You have to have the right people in your life who are connected to you, that you are connecting to, who put in you what you need to be everything God made you to be. 
three, people who will run to you in a time of need. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. I know I got the back end in yellow. We're going to get to that. But can I just tell you, the mark of a true friend is they love at all times. You need some friends who will love you at all times. Broke times. Anxious times. Depressed times. Stuck times. Selfish times. Blind times. Painful times. You can't make it through those times without those people. It says that a brother is born for a time of adversity. That means a great friend runs to you in your time of need. I'm not a pastor right now. I'm a sold customer. I'm a delighted follower of Jesus who had my life changed by this. Fiscal year 2018, September of 2018 to September of 2019 for my wife Brittany and I, easily the hardest years of our life in faith, life, and ministry. For us, that's just about everything. I would have preferred it if God spread those out like, let's do, let's do faith in 18, we'll tackle ministry in 19, and then life in 20. That would have been far more sustainable. But all three, all at once, one year, and we had friends who rushed to our side in that time. We've got friends who we see less now that things are going better. That's good friends. You know what was the hardest part for me in that time? I had nothing to offer. I'm, I, I didn't have anything to offer in any of my relationships. That's hard. I'm an independent person. I'm a recovering perfectionist. And to go for a whole year where I'm like, hey, I'm mad. You might get struck by lightning if we hang out. I felt like a liability to all my friends. And there were people who rushed to our side in that time. It was like they were born for adversity. I can tell you honestly and clearly. I would not be here right now without some great friends like this. Man, I want you to find those kind of people. Here's, a, here's the interesting thing. That first list, the people you need to just cut out and edit and, you know, remove, you can do that today. You can do that as soon as you get home. You don't have to respond to that text message. You don't have to go to that thing where all those people are going to be. Just like that, you could have the toxicity removed. That second list, though, you can't wake up tomorrow and instantly have truth-telling, courage-giving, Jesus-following people who run right by your side in a time of need. You can't. But you know what you can do? You can make it so people like that are really easy to find at this church. You could make this church a place that's full of those kinds of people. 
I was thinking deeply on this, and I can't do that as a pastor. You can. I can't make this a church full of amazing people where great friendships always happen. But you can. You can become this kind of person. You can make a decision to say, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to hold down my position. I will be this kind of person. If every single person here decided today to be that kind of person, this church would then be filled with that kind of person. And I want that for this place. I want the, if I could have a reputation in this community, it'd be like, those are the people who bring life, and that's where all the amazing people come from. I want people to walk through those doors new to this church, and they go, I'm a real mess right now, but I heard this is where the amazing people are. Is there anybody I could connect to here? I want this church to be a place where great faith stories and great friendship stories are both written at the same time. I want this to be a place where you and everyone who comes here after you found their people. That we can do. And that's the challenge. Groups, do I want you in a group? Yes. Will a group change your life? Yes. Is groups life important? Yeah, all the one another's? Yes. Do I want you to find your people? Absolutely. But I also want you to be those people. Because, man, that's what the world is looking for. So it's to you. If all the friendships in this church were like the ones you create in the world around you, what kind of friendships would be found in this church? If everybody was as helpful as you, how helpful would this church be? If everybody was as open and as focused on reaching out to make sure no one was left out as you, how welcoming would this church be? Let's pray. God and Father, I just pray as we're looking at group life, as we're looking at community and connecting, that people would find the relationships they're looking for. I pray you would fill us and empower us to do the bold, courageous stuff that's required to make good relationships and that you by your power will make the relationships in this place good. We love you. We're grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, you can sign up for a group on that form. If you're coming to New to Momentum, I can't wait to hang with you. If you'd like to come, go to our info center and somebody will get you hooked in. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you later. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.